Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome in to episode 196 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast, live from the Heinemann Services Studios alongside Porter Hayes. My name's Kyle Sutherland, and we thank you, as always, for joining us. Hope you all have had a great Memorial Day weekend, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Take a couple seconds to leave us a written review and a five-star rating as well. Helps us get our name out there and reach more people. As always, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, it is the best way to sign up. Head up to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And baseball completed on Sunday the most dominant run in SEC history, winning all 10 of their series in the regular season, winning the SEC regular season tournament, and then putting the icing on the cake winning the SEC tournament title, their first in school history. And also, softball's historic run came to an end on Saturday, falling in the first two games of a best-of-three series to Arizona. And uh, Porter, we'll start off first, man. I, I hope the weekend has gone well for you. I actually spent Sunday at the Travelers game. Uh, there They were playing the Tulsa Drillers, and right in, the, I think it was the seventh or eighth inning of that game, we got the score over the loudspeaker of the SEC tournament of the Razorbacks winning it, and the whole place erupted in the hog call. They actually kind of sort of paused the game. I'm sure some of the guys on the drillers and travelers that aren't from Arkansas were a little confused by that. But, you know, again, uh, we'll get into softball here in a second. A, an incredible run by them. Hated to see it come to an end. But, man, for baseball, it seems like we're just now getting started. Uh, that, that's icing on the cake. Coming into the, the tournament, you didn't know how far they would go, you know, they knew the bigger picture was regional supers and, and Omaha, but I think once they started gaining momentum and realized they were winning without their starter, you know, their starting pitching and they were kept on going and going, they're like, let's just ride this thing to the end. And of course, when you meet Tennessee at the end, you, you got to beat them. You, you can't give them any kind of edge. And I think that, you know, he proved it, you know, he put in cops at the end, you know, that when they played Vandy, you know, bringing out, Wicklander and cops. I mean, just how that whole tournament went was amazing, but perfect weekend, perfect weather for the weekend. I mean, I can't believe we're sitting here. It's almost June in the Timpson in the seventies. Like you can really actually get out and enjoy yourself. Everybody can go out on the lake and really have a good time this weekend. But we've also got to remember what Memorial day is all about. You know, it's not all about celebrations and cookouts. And so it's really nice to the baseball team, you know, the Travs game that you were there, you know, really showing the true meaning of Memorial Day. 
You know, I grew up on, on Greer's Ferry Lake, and uh, I spent just about every summer as a kid there. I grew up in Sherwood, but I spent my summers a lot of times at Greer's Ferry, and I can remember it already being in the 90s, very hot by that time. Now, the water was a little bit cool still because it was May, wasn't quite June. And, you know, it's been cool that whole entire winter and spring and fall, but I was seeing pictures of people. I just hung out in the backyard and, and grilled, but I was seeing pictures of people up at the lake, and, you know, they're sitting there on the boat and jackets and at their campsite in jackets so it is definitely a, a different kind of memorial day than we're used to and even at the Travs game i was sitting there in the shade and it was almost like ac and just not used to being at a baseball game this time of year and it being like that but uh but like you said porter i mean it I got to eat a little bit of crow here. I, I said that the the SEC tournament really uh, wasn't something that was important to me, per, just me personally. I'm not saying it wasn't important to Dave Van Horn or the Razorbacks. You know, on our Friday, our last show, I guess we shoot, we hadn't done one in a, a week or so. I guess yeah. uh, since we didn't have a uh, a Friday show, it just kind of the way things worked out with the you know baseball playing at seven thirty and all that. We just really didn't have a whole lot of content for at that time, and I was thinking about it and. Initially, I had said, you know, that I think that Dave Van Horn is going to care about this. I don't believe that Dave Van Horn and this coaching staff or really anyone that's coaching or playing, especially in P5 baseball. I mean, really any kind of college baseball, a a competitive person, no matter what the stakes are, is going to compete. That's just their nature. That's the way that they're built. But I thought initially that that he was going to go in this again, not necessarily not caring about it, but was going to play it safe. I wasn't sure that Cops was going to pitch at all. I kind of took that from his press conference after the Florida series when he had said you probably won't. I'm paraphrasing, but he said something along the lines of is you probably won't see him much. I took that as he wouldn't pitch maybe but one or two innings total in the SEC championship. But he ended up, I think it was a total of maybe like around six, maybe five, six innings. I don't have it right in front of me. But like you said, the fact that he went out, that Dave went out there and, and pitched Wicklander, you, you love to see that. It wasn't quite the matchup that we were expecting it to be, Rocker and Wicklander, but nonetheless, the, it just set up perfectly. You know, they, they got matched up against Georgia, who was just completely beat up. Ole Miss was pretty beat up, too. But, uh, you know, we'll talk more about this in segment two with, with Kevin, but just a, a phenomenal run again by, by the baseball team. Just continue to prove people wrong. I think that Razorback fans certainly at this point know what kind of team that we have. There's still people continuously doubting them, even though they've been in number one unanimously for like 12 or 13 weeks, whatever it is at this point. I don't even remember now. Uh, I don't think it's been that long, but it's been a long, long time, at least a couple of months that they've been the unanimous. Well, well as soon as Tennessee went up one nothing in this final game, it, it started automatically. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, it, and we had people before the game, you know, I'm not going to give the dude any credit or mention the guy's name. He's like, well, if if Arkansas loses this game, this whole tournament was a waste. Like, dude, like, shut up. Like, yeah. they're playing an SEC championship, you know, and I can't remember. I think it was Cops that said after the game against Fandy, they wanted to win this for Dave Van Horn. Get him that SEC championship because they know how hard it is to win in Omaha. I think the players took over or – you know, Dave was just playing a poker face and coach speak saying, you know, we're going to have a game plan for this. But in reality, in the locker room, they're going to win the whole daggum thing. And that's what they did. So I, I think the players really wanted this for the fans. They really wanted this for their coach. I, I think they wanted it for them to prove that we're going to go in this tournament and win it and prove without a doubt we're 
the best team in the SEC because you can win your SEC regular season title and kind of flake out in the tournament. But I think they left no doubt. And for everybody who is still doubting this team, they need to go find another team to cheer for. Yeah, there's just – I don't see how you can doubt this team now. And I know that we've been guilty of it. There's been plenty of times that all you, myself, Kevin, have said, you know, we're kind of – not necessarily that we were going to lose the upcoming series the next week, but just that this was a kind of a trap, especially the the Georgia series. I know that we talked a lot on both of those shows, kind of just mentioning that that was one that we're really concerned about because that's one that could be one of those trap series where they come in and just like they did to Vanderbilt. They won that series when they probably shouldn't have. And they, <laughs> there were some scary times, especially after they won game two in game three, it was looking like that they could possibly do that and they would win the series. But just like the Razorbacks continue to do, they always come back. And I, I truly believe, I've said this for the last few weeks, and I will take it until they are done, that I think that this team is only going to lose to the Razorbacks beating themselves like we did. And I know it's painful to bring up, but like we did in 2018, we beat ourselves. And I think that that's going to be the case this year. The only thing when we are playing at our best, I just don't see any other team stopping us. And so, um, you know, we got regionals coming up and then I guess, uh, so this drops on a Monday that, uh, tonight will be when we find our seating and we'll be talking more about that on uh, Friday's show. And, and Porter, um, you know, before we go into segment two, definitely want to touch on some softball and, and just give so much credit to what these girls have done. I'm not even going to lie to you. I kind of choked up just watching Courtney Diefel's post-game press conference when she started to cry. And you could just sense the mixture of of being so incredibly proud but being sad at the same time and just what this team has accomplished. We, we always talk, we go back to what this baseball team was back in the 70s when Norm DeBryan took over and playing at the fairgrounds and literally having no facilities. Now, when Courtney Diefel took over this program, we were not lacking facilities or anything like that. We were just lacking talent. And with how awful things were, I think the season before her was and her first season, that was the two and 46 record combined in conference. But she had one conference win. We all know about that her first season here. And ever since that time, and Coach Neighbors had talked about, when we compare these two teams together a lot, and Coach Neighbors had talked about the girls that came in, you know, Macy Weaver and Jalen Mason and all that crew that came in. And this was a team that was basically just some dead people walking and, you know, obviously meaning uh, figurative terms here, just not really in a place uh, that was very attractive to for recruits to come to and to what they built there. And now to what Courtney Diefel has built, literally going from the bottom to the top to SEC regular season champs and then getting to the Super Regionals against a very underseated Arizona team. You know, they went 43 and 19, 19 and 3 in the SEC, swept five out of their eight regular season series. It's cliche to say this is the beginning of what Courtney Diefel is going to be able to do, but I think it's very appropriate knowing the depths of which they came from. Yeah, it is very similar to how we talk about Mike Neighbors and what Chelsea Dungey did for Stadium Foundation for that basketball program, Braxton Burnside, Daniel Gibson, Mary Half, all these people that were the Lenny Malkin, all these kids that come in and bought in, Kayla Green, these girls, this whole team, top to bottom, bought into this program. At a program where you said one in 23, and you're getting maybe 50 fans to come watch your games. Now there's over 2,700, 3,000 at your games. 
and you could just see the momentum and yeah, the heartfelt press conference and just, that just shows how much she cares, but also she doesn't take any of the credit. She wants to work on setting that foundation and let her kids take the credit. And that to me shows true character of how she is a coach. You know, you had Braxton Birdside giving her farewell speech and talking about this this season and how much it meant to them. And you're talking about sports where you don't get all the glamour, you don't get all the fans and the notoriety. And to start getting that publicity and the media coverage, how we cover the women's sports and the softball team and just how thankful they are. I mean, Coach Neighbors, you ask Kobe Hale, Coach Neighbors Harder, Dyfel Weaver, you ask any of them just how much it means to them for the fans to show up to their games and for us, the media, to sit there and cover them. It means everything to them. And I think even next year, if they're not as successful as they were this year, we need to show up every game. You know, show up in all the all the nice weekend series. Show up for them because you, you just don't show up when the big games or just because they're good. You need to support them no matter what. And I'm telling you, Courtney Doffel, she's building something. I mean, this is just the, if this is just the start, I can't wait to see what the future holds for this team. We talk a lot about the negativity in this fan base and and whenever things go bad, whether it be in the first or second inning of a game or whenever we lose a game. But I, I want to focus for a second on whenever when they lost that game yesterday on, on Saturday, when the, the whole entire Bogle Park began to call the Hogs. Now, that I, I like to focus more. I know that we talk about the negativity a lot, but that just shows right there. Just like you said, fans coming out to games. I, I'm not sure exactly what Saturday's or Sunday, or what Friday or Saturday's attendance uh, ranked, but I know that in the regionals against Stanford, that was the fourth highest attendance in school history. And just knowing that people are buying into this, and I get it. Whenever there was a, uh, I guess it was the Friday of um, the girls playing regionals and the guys playing at Florida. Yes, there's going to be more people at the baseball game. That's just, it's reality. That's the way it is. But the fact of the matter is, whether they're actually in person or not, is that people are buying into this and they're buying more into the spring sports. The big three, those are always going to be the most popular. That's just the way it is. Courtney Dyfel knows it. Mike Neighbors knows. Mike Neighbors has told us that on air. It's just the way that it is. But it is really great to see that, you know, this one Razorback that Hunter that Hunter Yurichek has talked about so many different times that he always hashtags in his tweets. We have really seen that this year. Coming off of a COVID year where we didn't have any spring sports and we had such a successful spring season, this has just been and it's been an incredible experience, especially for us. You know, this was my first full year covering high school sports and then covering a full year of Razorback sports for the Hog Talk. It's been just an incredible blessing for me to do this with you guys, to be able to put out content for all the ones that take the time to listen to us. But Frank Burles in the 60s and 70s, Nolan Richardson in the mid in the early to mid-90s, Norm DeBryan in the late 70s, particularly when we were the College World Series runner-up. You think about the foundation that was set for football, basketball, and baseball. We're going to look back at especially 2018 when they made their when softball made their first super regional and this year in 2021. And as this softball team continues to make that climb up, we're going to remember those two years in particular and the Mary Half. Like you just went through the names, you know, the Mary Halves, the Autumn Storms, the Braxton Burnsides, the Danielle Gibsons. We're going to remember that 
when this team finally gets to the College World Series, they're going to be the ones that set the foundation. We're going to talk about them just like we talked about what, again, what Nolan Richardson, Frank Borles, and and Norm DeBryan had done. And that was just the beginning of the foundation that's been set. Yeah, and you can't hang your head on losing to a program like Arizona. Sure, no, eight, eight, eight or nine national championships all time. You, you know, when they went to the Super Regional last time, you know, and you can't hang their hat on. That's what we expected is because when you get the Super Regional, you never know. Arizona came in hot, and I want to shout out the Arizona softball team because they put out a tweet and it was just classy. You know, thanking the fans, thanking the staff, thanking Bogle Park for making them feel so welcome. And I heard so many comments. You know, that's what you look for in the comments. You think you're going to get all these trolls. I didn't see one negative comment that a Razorback fan was saying it on an Arizona fan. It was, we sat here and trash talk, but we are classy. We were hanging out. We were talking to the game. We met up with some softball players. That's what it's all about. So, Kudos to Arizona. Y'all had a really good week in a muggle. You were definitely misseeded. I think the Pac-12 as a whole was was underestimated with, you know, Stanford and you had Arizona, Stanford, UCLA. I mean, Cal, all them teams out there in, in the Pac-12 are really good programs. And we're rooting for y'all in, in the College World Series because y'all really showed up and showed out here in Bogle Park because yeah. it's not a – Easy place to win. Yeah, great, great job by the fans. An incredible, uh, incredible uh, job from Arizona. I was going to mention that tweet too. Just you, you guys were great guests. And not that really any Arizona fans are probably going to listen to this, but yeah, we definitely want to give them their props. And uh, and I'll probably do it in the next segment too, but I got, I want to give some props to, to Tony Vitello and the Tennessee baseball team. What they've done this year, and I still think they're going to make plenty. And I tweeted this right after the game, or not too long after, that I think they're going to make plenty of noise in Omaha. The, Tennessee's just not a historically good baseball program. I think that they've got maybe four or five total NCAA appearances in their school's history. The last time they went was 2005, and so uh, you know, just a great job by that. And, and we've already played four games with them. I would not be shocked if we played a fifth or possibly a sixth. And We'll get more into that uh, here in the second segment with Kevin. We'll have him on um, once we get through this commercial break. But don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe, and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479 479- 368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. 
Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode 196 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Porter Hayes, and Kevin Bohannon with you. And Kevin, first off, congratulations on a great weekend for you. Not only did the Razorbacks win the SEC tournament? A couple of your former prospects, Jackson Wiggins, who was touching 99, did, pitched a really good game against Tennessee. And also, you guys won the championship, which I know you're on the way back from as we're recording. So I know things have definitely gone pretty great for you this Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, first weekend of the year down in Mississippi. Uh, played against a couple of really good programs. Easily baseball club out in the Memphis area. They've always got some really good kids that are SEC-type caliber talent. Going to Ole Miss, Tennessee, Mississippi State. Uh, we were playing them in the championship game down one to nothing in 2022. Uh, Easton Swafford, Razorback commit, hit a solo home run to tie it up. And another hit and a couple walks later, we walked them off with a base on ball. So it was a really good event. Pitching and defense was the key. We only gave up three runs the whole weekend. I think nine or eight or nine hits in four games and nine double plays. So it was a Great opening weekend. The kids had a lot of fun, played well together. Get to do it again next weekend in Memphis. Hopefully we'll be able to get over the bridge. <laughs> well, and I know last year you had Wallace, Wiggins, and Ethan Bates. Do you guys – I can't even remember. I know we've talked about this many times. Do you guys have any Razorbacks right now on your team? Yeah, Ethan Swafford. Swafford. Yeah, Swafford. That's Swafford. Right. He's, yeah, he's a 2022. The 21s were – of course, they're playing other places this summer getting ready to go up there. But Reese McWilliams, Cameron Leach, those are two names that you might hear some of. Uh, they might end up red shirting or going to JUCO, but because of the loaded rosters, it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, there's a lot of good talent out there, and it's just going to keep getting better right now. And it was really, really neat to see because Jackson was up there. Of course, Ethan Bates and Cato, they had been out there the first couple of games, and Marcus Brown, they played for for us. He, he started Oklahoma State during their Big 12 run right now. Now they're playing TCU as we speak. So we, we had about six or seven kids that as freshmen were contributing on national powerhouse teams. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and we'll start off with the SEC tournament here from the very beginning. And Arkansas played uh, Georgia on Wednesday that was just a complete blowout. You know, now obviously the the one thing that uh, you hated to see in that game was Brady Slavens going down. Thank God his injury was not near as bad as what we thought it could be as a guy who has had multiple injuries, talking about myself, who has had multiple injuries to both ankles. It just about made me throw up watching that play go down. And we're not – it's not looking like we will have him for regionals. Now, if we get to the super regional, he could possibly come back for then. It's going to definitely be sore no matter what. But – how how uh how optimistic are you that he will be back at some point this season if we do make it to that point? I think he'll at least be out the regionals and then they're going to see. But didn't it just show you how deep this roster is? Yes. I mean, I'm not saying that we can win everything without Brady saving, but they didn't really miss a beat. Of course, Charlie Welch came in, had a couple of hits today. He's doing his thing that he's did all year. They moved, they shuffled it around a little bit, moved Goodhart to left field. Uh, he, he did pretty well out there, moved Cato over to third, Bates to right field, and then, of course, they threw the lefty today, so they shuffled it up a little bit. But you just pick up the slack, and that, that team is so good and talented. I'm not sure what Colin Smith's count is on the year, but he'll be the sixth guy with 
double-digit home runs. And that, that's just unheard of in a SEC team these days. Well, Kevin, you're talking about the switching around. Just, just how dangerous is a team like Arkansas? He's done this multiple times, put, just played around with people in different positions, and it's the same outcome. They keep winning no matter what. The, I mean, they probably put Casey Opitz out in center field, and they'd probably win. <laughs> yeah, and the, the funny thing is people keep questioning Dave Van Horn. Like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He, what, what's he thinking about right here? He brings Lockhart in for an inning today to bridge the gap to get the cops. They're like, oh, and people were, I, I saw it on social media. He just threw the other day on three days rest. I'm like, guys, he threw like 70 pitches. If they need him for 10 to 12 pitches, he's going to be fine. So trust in the fact that one of the greatest college baseball coaches is in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and he has the, the pulse of this team figured out so well that he knows how to pull the, pull the trigger, pull the string, whatever you want to call it, but he, he's just counting cards at a bike jump table right now. Yeah, and I mean, I just I, – I don't really know what else to say about this team. I, I, I was texting my buddies earlier. You know, we're all in the same – and we all graduated the same year, so we're, we're all 31. And I was telling them that outside of the 94 National Championship team, this might be – and I know that there's still a lot of work left to be done, but this might be the best – team of the big three sports the Razorbacks that we and I, I I don't think it might be I think it is outside of the 94 national championship team they just continue to like like you said Kevin you know we talked about Brady Slavens there and they showed a video before the Ole Miss game of Dave Van Horn saying hey you know one of our or, I'm sorry the Vanderbilt game one of our biggest bats is is down and we need somebody to step up you know Ethan Bates came in uh, and stepped up in that game. I know, you know, Charlie Welch, like you said, he had a couple of hits and everything, and he he did his part for the for the most part of what he needed to do. And then, of course, you put Goody at, at left field. But Jalen Battles, who would have thought that he would have been, not that he hasn't been great this year or been good at least, but who would have thought that he would have been the SEC tournament MVP? You know, I thought I think that off the bat, we, we thought it was probably going to be Colin Smith with especially um, three home runs and then back-to-back days you have two run homers against – Ole Miss and Tennessee, but it's just all across the boards. The six, the six players with double-digit home runs, plus the pitching has stepped at Connor Nolan on on Saturday with what he was able to do coming in, not allowing a single hit. Uh, it's just we continuously have guys stepping up, and you're not sure what Zeb Vermillion's status is. I know that they were uh, there were some bicep cramps or something. Now, if you talk to that one guy, uh, the pain guy on Twitter, whatever his name is, um, you would act like yeah, it's, he it's the, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd act like he'd act like it's the end of the world, and you know his life is so miserable that he spends time you know doing that stuff, but. Zeb's got the bicep cramps. You don't really know how long he's going to be out. You obviously want to make sure that he's 100% before you push that too far. But, you know, Paulette, obviously not going to have him moving forward. But you've got guys like Connor Nolan stepping up in that role, a former Friday night starter. Heston Toll, who has shown a lot of great things. I know that, you know, you're really high on him. I've talked about how he should get more innings. He's got some electric stuff. There is just guys all across the board, whether they're sitting in the dugout or whether they have sat in the dugout most of the season, when their number is called, they come to the plate or they get on the mound or they go in the outfield or the infield, and nine times out of ten, they get the job done or at least they get the Yeah, Andy Menard and I were talking as you as we crossed the bridge while we're going to Arkansas. If Arkansas does make this run, win it all. It's going to be the greatest team accomplishment 
at the university in our generation. Just think about Caleb Bolton the other night. He had four innings of shutout baseball. They just have guys keep stepping up, and the freshmen are now veterans on this team. They're sophomores. They played a lot of really high competition baseball in their career, so it's not a really big shock to these guys. But it was great to see Connor Nolan come in and do his thing. So it's going to be they're, – they're going to be able to piece it together. Wicklander struggled a little bit, uh, but he's really the only starter that can really go six or seven innings. So you're going to get to see multiple games with multiple pitchers, and that's not really something that's done in today's college baseball game is you're supposed to have a frontline guy and then a number two and maybe a number three. We've just got a lot of guys that are really good with really good stuff that go out there and compete. And then you've got guys that you can plug and play off the bench on offense, and that just makes this team even more dangerous down the stretch because Dave Van Horn is all about matchups at this point, and he's going to put the best team at that particular game on the field. And it, it's, it's, it's trouble for the other team because it kind of blows up their scouting report a little bit because they are so versatile. Yeah, and then huge props to Connor Lowland. You know, the last outing he had, he did really good, and we were wondering if that was just a, a one-time thing. But for him to come in again in this big stage and just, I mean, you talking about stepping up when they needed him the most, he come in and just balled out. And I'm thinking that if he's got it in his head, you're talking about accepting roles. If he's really fully accepted the role of being like a middle reliever and he gets that in his mindset – and he works on that technique and, and coming in fourth, fifth inning, you're going to have another freaking setup, man, like us two. And that's going to be huge. And if you can't throw cops, you could bring him into the end. I mean, you've got another guy with all these pitchers getting hurt going out. You you just added another one to the arsenal. If you give him the confidence coming into the postseason, the regional super in, in Omaha, this is going to be a dangerous team. And what you're talking about alluding to, our generation, yeah, other than the 94 National Championship team, this is it because they're a complete team. I mean, they're just as dangerous on defense as they are on offense. So, I mean, you it could be if they win it all, it'd be 1A and 1B, the 94 championship team and then the 2021 baseball team. Yeah, that play yeah, – uh, or go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put the baseball team above what they – what the – the basketball team did just because it's so hard to do. You have multiple layers of championship to go through. You have a regional, then a super regional. Then you have Omaha. Yeah, you have to get to Omaha first, and then you got to win five games. So it's just a lot harder to do. Everybody knows that now because there's been SEC teams that were number one going into the postseason, and then they don't get past the super regional. And I want to go back to Jalen Battles, that play that he had that's uh, going to be in the Sports Center. Oh, or, or, I guess by this point, uh, when it, this episode is released, it's already been in the in the Sports Center top ten. But yeah, that was that was just sick. Just turns around, gets the out, and but that's what we've come to expect. He hasn't done a ton of sexy things at the plate in terms of a bunch of home runs and all that. But like I said on on the last show we did, he gets you the sack flies. He's gotten plenty plenty of runs across, or he's gotten people advancing the, to the to second base or third base. That's just what he does. They play their roles as we continuously talk about. You know, Charlie Welch really just never had a massive role on this team, but that's what he said. He's he's talked about how he he has always wanted to be a Razorback, even when. Dave Van Horn told him no he still worked to that point to become one and now he is and now he is stepping up and he and he's he's playing a pivotal role albeit not a massive one but still a pivotal role and so 
I think that we just need to really understand that we are experiencing, and I, and I think that we've seen plenty of people tweet about it and put Facebook posts, but we are just experiencing greatness, particularly with, with cops. We have not seen a player this dominant since, since Darren McFadden. And we're going to look back, right. and, they, and these are going to be, like we watch continuously his highlight, talking about DMAC, his highlight films, there's, those are still all over YouTube, and, and Razorback fans still share them today. That's what we're going to be doing with Kevin Cops. We were doing that with Matt Cronin, and no disrespect to him. He was he was incredible. But Cops is just next level. And it was just – everybody was shocked when he gave up that home run against Tennessee. Now, it really didn't matter. But that was his <laughs> sixth run of the year given up. Um, and, you, and, yeah. and you think about – so as, as good as Goodhart has been overall this year – He's been up coming into the Tennessee game. He was five of forty nine from on in his last. Uh, so I guess what fifty or so at bats or forty nine at bats. So he's been struggling. But again, you go back to just how this team picks each other up and how so many guys step up. You don't even notice stuff like that because you have if if one guy struggles, the guy the next guy right there behind him is there to pick him up. Yeah, and they, Coach Van Horn had to had him hit lead off. And he, I think he was one first, first 10 with seven strikeouts or something like that. But Jalen Battles is a next, he's an MLB shortstop. You saw that today with the plays that he made. And he's going to hit at the next level, but it's going to be 250, 260. Hit a home run here or there, but he moves guys around. He's a really good situational hitter. That's why I think gets overlooked a lot of times, especially in baseball. They're thinking, oh, two, two runners are on, hit a bomb. You can't do that every time up, especially in the SEC. But then you got – I just really go back to the way these veterans have meshed with the younger guys, and I think you're really going to watch see that going forward. And it makes this team special. Well, another thing I want to add is, you know, watching the game today, and I'm not seeing any fatigue. You know, everybody's talking about you throwing them in, yeah. playing this guy. But I don't see anybody that's really shown, like, getting tired. They're getting fatigued. They were off a whole year. Yeah, they ain't going to be tired. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that that hunger – for real, and this is what we were talking about in the last segment, Cabo, is that the players really wanted this for Dave Van Horn. They really wanted to get him this SEC championship because they know how hard it is to win in Omaha. And to give him this SEC championship and have all your players be, you know, 100% not healthy, but, I mean, they're not tired. You've got guys getting switched around to different spots. That just helps because there's more energy if you've got a guy in on the bench you put him in right field, you got a fresh right fielder that can give you a lot of innings. But I think that's really what's going to carry this team the furthest is because I don't see any signs of anyone. I mean, pitchers, cops, Wicklander. I don't see any of them really getting showing that season fatigue. Like Kumar Rocker yeah, did. Oh, I was definitely going to bring that up, man. You know, I, know. I, I think Corbin – A lot of got lit up too. Well, and Cabo, you might – maybe I'm wrong. Did Corbin overuse them this year, at least maybe Kumar? Did, did you think he maybe put a little bit too much on him? I don't I don't know. He, he might be at that breaking point. we got to remember, he's still young. I mean, this is only his second full year in college. Yeah. I know he is a grown man in terms of his physicality. And lighter as well. He, you know, remember he missed the start two weeks ago. They they skipped his start on the weekend. They already had everything sewn up. So, yeah, you know, Kyle Peterson said on the broadcast the other night he wouldn't put too much into it. Now, if it happens two times in a row, it may become a trend. So, 
Yeah. may need to keep an eye on that. So yeah, he, uh, and he's still you know, they're going to have bad starts. Yeah, and you know he he went from consistent uh, the consensus number one pick for this next draft to top five, top ten. I, he's still going to be a top five. I think I I still think he's probably going to go number one or at least no no higher than the top five. But they just really he set them down in order in the first inning, and then right after that he just could not get his off speed pitches. They really the you know by that point. Once they started getting on him, it was just it was pretty much just all hogs from there. And I was I wasn't necessarily scared after the first inning because I've seen what we can do even when we struggle up into the seventh, eighth, whatever it may be. We've seen that many times where what was it? Uh, I think it was Liam Sullivan again in Georgia. We couldn't hit him until like the sixth or seventh inning. Yeah. Like literally, was that guy had like 12, 13 strikeouts, whatever it was against us, and so. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be quite like that because I, I think that we have grown even since that series. I mean, the Georgia series is what, about a, maybe a little over a month ago, and you're facing the best pitcher in – Three weeks, yeah. Yeah, you're facing, you're facing the best pitcher in terms – now, Cops is the best pitcher in college baseball, but in terms of the in terms of overall ability and where he's going to go in the draft, it is without question Kumar Rocker. I, I think I've told this story a couple times on here, but guys, you know, I'd go to the Razorback camps when I was in high school when Tracy, his dad, was our defensive line coach. And this kid was seven years old looking like a 12, 13-year-old, just picking up all – you know, just picking up those uh, – I can't remember the names of – not the dummies that you use, but the little things that stand up – and you knock him over, uh, the like little dummy oh, thing. Yeah. He would just pick those up like two at a, two or three at a time at seven, eight years old, <laughs> six, seven years old. Uh, just a complete unit. So I'm not shocked, you know, that he's turned out to be the grown man uh, that he is. But but yeah, I mean, you do that to a guy like him, and and that was the that was the one that we had wanted to see all year. Now at the time. At the beginning of the season, we weren't really sure who our ace pitcher was. We knew that they had two of them, but we finally got that lot, that matchup with Wicklander and, and Rocker. And, and you know, from a pitching standpoint, it wasn't quite what we thought it was going to be. But still, you know, the Razorbacks came out on top, and that's what matters. Yeah. I, I think Vandy peaked too soon. I think they had to peak. I agree. And, I agree. I, I think they yeah. peaked. And you're talking about overusing them. That might play into it. Yeah, you look what happened after the Arkansas loss. They turned around and lost the very next game to Ole Miss. So, yeah, I kind of worry. You know, is you also got to think at this point when you're talking about Rocker and Lighter, is there is their attention already on the major league draft? You know, Lighter kind of got hurt a little bit. Rocker, you know, they got beat by Arkansas then Ole Miss. So, is their headspace now just kind of on the professional level and if that's so that's going to hurt them come you know super regionals or if they happen to make it to Omaha yeah. in, in 2018 Vanderbilt shoes you know we were up close top five all year and then did okay in the SEC tournament everybody was like oh we might not do much and then went on the run that we did so you know it's if you get hot in the right 10 game stretch everybody's going to look back at this and be like, oh, that was just a, you know, ball in their winning. So I wouldn't count them out just yet, but that could be something to look at, no doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely questioning them a little bit. And, and Mississippi State, man, they come into the, uh, the SEC tournament and just completely crap the bed. I, I do think that Florida has a chance. I, I'm not really sure what Florida team we're going to see. I, I, I do like them and Tennessee when they're at their best. I really like Kendrick Calileo from from Florida. That guy really he, he's he's kind of like their unsung hero. I know you got Judd Fabian. He struggled really bad against us, but that guy definitely going to be a great player at the next level. Tommy Mays. You know, Florida's definitely got some guys. I mean, there's 
there's a reason why they were pretty much across the board the number one team preseason. I understand preseason's preseason, but yeah, Vanderbilt and Mississippi State are two that were really highly touted coming into the year that I'm not sure uh, how they're going to do. And Ole Miss, you know, it's uh, don't really ever know with them. But guys, you know, there's a lot of talk about. We'll, we'll close out with this, but Wes Burton. You know, one thing, obviously the guy's on crack or something. I don't know what it is. I'm just joking. He's not on crack. But I don't know what it is, what what made him get this this uh, the way he carries himself. I'm not sure what it's about. But you know what really sucks? The guy's damn good, and I hate it. He pitched He pitched great against – I know that he's walked a couple – I think or I think he walked six in the two, two games that he played us. But he only gave up like two or three hits, and he struck out. I, I don't. I don't have the numbers in front of me there, but I know he did really, really well. And I just hate it that that guy is so good. Hey, I was going to ask you before we go. Uh, do you think they let LSU in, but because it's going to be Molinari's last year? What's your thoughts on that? I don't think they do. I, I just, oh uh, man, that's because I, I, that's a good question. But I'm not 100% sure. I know Kevin actually just uh, – he was hitting some rough spots, so he had to hop off. But I'm going to say no. And by the time, again, this drops, I, I could be completely wrong. But I just – I don't. I, I understand. Hey, big props to Paul Molinari. Uh, or is that his name? I, I, I think I just completely butchered that. Molinari? Uh, yeah, Molinari. Okay, so I did say it right. You know me and you know me in pronunciations. So I followed that guy. You got to get one wrong. Yeah, I was about to say, I followed that guy since he was at Notre Dame, so for many, many years. But um, – but yeah, you know that was an incredible career that he had. But LSU just had an awful year, so I don't think you're not awful. They didn't have a good year, at least not especially not in the SEC. But uh, I, I don't. I, I think you got you know you look at Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Um, there's a couple more in there that I can't really think of off the top of my head. But uh, you know I know Georgia was flirting with it, but I'm not sure that they uh, get in either. But LSU just because of that, I mean. <sighs> I just I don't see it. I could be wrong, but I just don't. Yeah, they, they had a hard year for LSU standards, and you know, for him to say he's stepping down. But now the question in, you know, who's gonna who's gonna get that next coaching spot? You know, you you go two legends in a row. Now who's gonna who's gonna fill those shoes? I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah you obviously the immediate one would be Tony Vitello that you would think of just because I mean he's the hottest name in college baseball right now. But you know, I'm not so sure. Um, you know, you got the guy from East Carolina. His name slips. My, uh, I think it's uh, Cliff Godwin is his name. Yep. He was an assistant um at LSU and so you got to think about him he's done some really good things at East Carolina the TCU coach I know he's done really well so there's definitely gonna be some names in there but the first one that you think of is is definitely Vitello but not so sure I don't I don't know that he's either he might be you know waiting on I don't think he's gonna wait on the Arkansas job because Dave Van Horn's got a long time but it depends it really just depends on what Tennessee says that they're gonna give him you obviously need to upgrade your facilities they've got the worst in the SEC for baseball so it really just depends on what they agree on. I mean, he might stay there. Just kind of depends on what they do with his contract and what they do with the facilities. But I don't know. You know, it's, it is kind of weird not having LSU in there because as much as a lot of Razorback fans hate to admit it, they are one of the more historically dominant programs in the SEC. Actually, I'd say probably the most dominant program in the SEC in history. So, you know, what Skip Berkman did and then what Paul had done. I know he only won one national championship, but he did a lot of – a lot of great things there uh, during his time. And so definitely wish him a happy retirement and uh, very interested to see where that goes with that coaching search. But 
Well, guys, that will do it for episode 196 of the Hog Talk podcast. Again, the NCAA regionals, they start this coming weekend, uh, Friday through Sunday, and we'll be in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We'll be the uh, the number one seed overall, or at least uh, that's what we're expecting. But look forward to that as we get into uh, the real season, as I like to call it, as once we get into the NCAA tournament. So, Look forward to seeing you guys Friday. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you haven't, again, please be sure and subscribe, rate, review. Other than that, for Porter Hayes and Kevin Bohannon, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you on Friday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.